Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada. I've got to say, a really sunny, nice, warm spring day in Ontario. And uh, <clears throat> we have another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that brings you actionable tips and ideas to improve your business. First off, let's introduce co-host Kathleen. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And hello and welcome, everyone. You know, on this show, we've interviewed so many expert guests and provided so much information to entrepreneurs to help them start their businesses from scratch and also to help scale their business. But today we get to interview an expert on how to buy a small business and why that may be your best option. Welcome Amber Christian, who is the owner of Wonderly Software Solutions. Hello, Amber, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for our topic today. Well, Amber, tell us, how did all this get started? What what made you delve into this particular career path? Absolutely. So I'm the owner of Wonderly Software Solutions, and I've done software consulting for a number of years. So think of me as more like one of your independent software type consultants. Mm -hmm. So I had a service business for many years. And then along the way, I got bit by a little bit of the startup bug. And so I actually tried to build some software from scratch. I learned one, how hard it is, and how many decisions you have to make. And ultimately, I ended up shutting that down after a series of years. I had still maintained my software consulting business, so I was still doing this as well. But I started to realize that buying a business might be a better answer than building one from scratch. And so this was an idea I came across because I started to think about the decision fatigue that you get into when you start a business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You think about, I, I never, I had no idea until I started one completely from scratch. There's a million small decisions down to every color, every little font, every little piece of design, and you're exhausted by the time you've gotten it to the market. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, wait a second. What about all these companies where somebody else did all that and they got it to a certain point, but they're done. Kind of like I had been with the startup company. So that spawned this idea of buying a small business. That's where it came from. Oh, interesting. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So are you advocating then buying a business that the original founder might have got fed up with, tired or reached a point of stagnation or, or are you suggesting people look for a viable profitable business that's already a running concern totally depends on what they're trying to do with it okay so that's an and it depends and where this has gotten very interesting is so as you step back and you look at your business you look at okay are there certain parts of the business that are starting to grow or they've maybe hit a maturity point and I want to expand into other areas, but maybe I don't have quite the skills or expertise. Buying something complimentary might actually allow you to expand your business in a safe way. Mm -hmm. And it could be either something someone else is just like, hey, look, I'm just done. Because that happens as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I've gotten it to a certain stage. I'm not the person to take it to the next stage. Mm 
So it and it, it'll really depend on where that entrepreneur is that's making that decision as to whether they're looking for a fixer upper something that has has stagnated mm-hmm. or needs to be revitalized mm-hmm. or they're looking for something that's hit certain points of traction. So I'd say the first part is you have to really say okay where am I at my business and where am I trying to get and then you start to look at where the acquisition fits in. So that's how okay. I would start. Oh, Good. So how long did it take you to start uh, to, to buy your first business? And, and really, what's typical? So it took me about eight months to buy my first business. So I started looking, I started looking online, I started talking to people, I started researching. And I got into some due diligence calls. I'm like, whoa, don't want that one. Oh, got to the next one. Oh, no. <laughs> You kiss a lot of frogs, as in the old phrase. You yeah. talk to a lot of people because what it does is it helps you start to refine your criteria and you start to learn a lot more about what you're really looking for. Because, you know, when you first look at that strategy, you say, okay, this is what I think I want. And then you start to talk to these other business owners or, or of businesses you want to buy and you refine your strategy. That process takes a little while for you mm-hmm. to figure that out. And then, oh, sorry, go ahead. You had a question. Um, I'm just going to ask you, what goes, what forms part of this due diligence? What exactly are you looking at? Yep. So in the due diligence process, um, what I started with was just information that was prepared by the seller of the business. So there should be some kind of standards they give you that tell you some of your various business metrics, information about those businesses. But what you'll find is what they give you is all over the board. Mm-hmm. And so you you start to go, okay, well, but what about this? But what about this? So in the in the due diligence process, what you're really doing is you're starting to ask all these questions that say, is this a fit with what I want? Is this a fit with where my goals are? Makes sense for me to buy this. And you have to get a few conversations in usually to, to really start to refine your criteria and your questions mm-hmm. that you ask. Because the first time you walk into one of these, it's all like, oh, yeah, this will be easy. And it's not. <laughs> and you have to ask so many questions. <laughs> and you have to learn so many things about that. The other reason I'd say it takes you around eight months is you actually, or at least for me, that it took me eight months. I had to actually be ready to take over and absorb that work. Mm -hmm. So my existing business had to be in a place where I was ready to expand and bring in some of this additional work to take Mm -hmm. some things over and grow the business. So for me, it was that combination of how long it took me to find a fit and then how long or when I could actually take it over and start to grow it. So those two had to coincide. Now, your question is, what's normal? 12 to 18 months is actually normal for a lot of people. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It sounds like a long time, right? Actually, it does. Yep, it does. But if you if you think about, okay, from day one of, I think I might want to buy a business. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what am I going to buy? I got to think about that for a little while. What kinds of things are available in the market? If I start to identify it, what's available? If you are going on marketplaces or some other things, there may be things more readily available. But if you're 
having conversations, you're doing what we call off-market deals where you aren't necessarily uh, having to compete against a lot of other people. Those things take a lot of mm -hmm. time and a lot of conversations. Okay, and so, so yeah. Clarify though, that 12 to 18 months, is that the, the searching for the type of business or the actual acquisition of it? The looking into the business yeah. and looking into and buying it's it's often a 12 to 18 month process yeah are, are you not risking losing the opportunity by taking so much time oh oh let me clarify it's 12 to 18 months from when you decide you want to buy a business to when you've usually closed your first deal okay. you don't spend a year with one company and oh, diligence. Gotcha. okay Sorry. not at all yeah 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 oh no that's a great question i, I had I hadn't thought about that it's more of the you know, you have to get yourself and your existing businesses ready. You have to make sure your financials are in a good enough position to be able to buy a business or line up financing. If if you have to line up financing, that takes time. So it's that end to end process from mm -hmm. the time you start to when you've actually bought one that is typically a year to 18 months from most people I've talked to. Mm -hmm. So what's the starting point, Amber, uh, for someone who has a vague idea of the type of business they want to be in, do they first contact a business broker? Do they contact you? Do they look in the newspaper or on online ads, um, online mm -hmm. forums? Where's the starting point? Yep. Um, what I would start to do, if I had a little bit of an inkling of, hey, I think I want to grow in this area or buy this kind of a business, I would actually start looking on some of the different marketplaces to see what's mm -hmm. out there. And that'll start to give you a little bit of a sense for are what are people asking for for some of these businesses? I mean, it doesn't mean that the price they put on there is necessarily sure. what you pay, but you you start to get a sense for is this going to make sense? What are market going rates for that? So my first step would be in looking at different marketplaces and I would be reading, 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 reading about uh, following people that buy businesses, searching around. There's lots of conversations on Twitter mm -hmm. about this um, surprising number of, of small business buyers on, on Twitter. And there's lots of folks you can follow mm -hmm. in that space. You just put in SMB Twit and all sorts of stuff comes up as well. So I would start listening in on other conversations and researching and reading. And that's actually where I would start because it, there's a lot you learn just by seeing what other people are all talking about. And it takes you time to absorb that and then apply that to how that fits with your particular business. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a very well-known, the, the name has escaped me once we started talking, online um, market for online businesses in particular. Oh, I can't even think what it's called. I've been are on you, there quite a lot. Mike, are you thinking of MicroAcquire or, no. or Flippa? Flipper, or flipper, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's our, the name just went, as I was talking to you, the mind just, it disappeared, it's an age problem, I think, anyway, mm -hmm. um, but there's, there's a lot of information on Flipper to, to try and get some yeah. idea of value, you know, again, you've got to put it through a filter, uh, because people ask for more than the business is worth, and people don't want to pay what it's worth, so, but somewhere in between, it gives you a pretty good mm -hmm. idea of, what it's going to cost for that type of on, online business. So while I've got you, uh, before we go back to Kathleen, would you recommend that people try and find a business where there's some synergy with what they're already doing, like like you did because you were into software, rather than go something totally different? 
again, I'd go back to what are you trying to accomplish with that sure. business goal? Okay. And that that's the number one overriding thing. Mm-hmm. If it's a, hey, let's say I have a service business, I do X, Y, Z, I hate it, I want to do something completely different, then maybe not. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so I, I go back to what that that original goal was. And yeah. it, but the int- the interesting part, I think for me is so I had bought I bought a small marketplace in the artisan world. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up with a second artisan business within less than six months. And I was not planning on that. (laughs) Um, It just ended up happening that way. Because there's some really interesting things that happen when you're focused on a particular industry. And this has been a, a big thing I have noticed in going through the process. So once people became aware that I was in the artisan space and I was buying artisan businesses, some deals actually just started showing up. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. approach me. Mm-hmm. I want to sell. Oh, uh, I, w- I wasn't really necessarily thinking about. But once you get inside an industry, so you pick somewhere you want to be, whether it's your existing one or a new industry, once you've got that first one, what then becomes interesting is the other options that become available now because you're in that industry. Right. I never would have guessed that until I mm-hmm. actually got into this industry. It makes sense. Um, I'm thinking way back in before the days of the internet when I was involved in business, this, um, opportunities tended to come to those people who were who were active in a particular segment or, or mm-hmm. niche. Yeah, interesting. So, Kathleen, back to you. So if you buy a business and discover that you hate it, what happens then? <laughs> this is... I think this is the other key lesson learned for me is I obsessed for so long. Oh, what if I hate it? What if I don't like it? Sell it. I mean, that's why there's marketplaces are there. Mm -hmm. If you you get into it and you're like, wow, and you run it for a year, 18 months and like, I don't love this. Turn around and sell it. It, I I think I got a little too obsessed with this idea of, well, if I do this, I'm going to be doing this for 20 years. No, things are fluid. Things change. And it's not unusual for you to then maybe you hit the end of that life cycle or you realize that industry isn't for you, particularly if you're changing industries. So Mm -hmm. I I think I had to say, oh, don't put so much pressure on yourself that it's going to have to be perfect and last forever. If you grow it and you take it to its next stage, you could end up turning around and selling it to to the next person. So, so Mm -hmm. If you're looking to buy a business, so say somebody has just started and they discovered, okay, this, I, you know, it's just too much. I, I got to get out. And here you come in and you think, oh, this could be an interesting business. What are you looking at in this business? So maybe they ha- they don't have tons of clients at this stage because they're brand new. They were just starting out. Um, they, they probably have the basics set up. You know, the website and, you know, the e-commerce system may be set up and what have you, the marketing, the basic marketing stuff. It, it With all of that appeal enough for you to say, okay, maybe this is worth buying. Mm-hmm. I think you have to look at when you look at the financials for where it's at and how much you're going to invest. 
as well, because that's that's another mm -hmm. piece of this too. I'm in in some of the deals I'm looking at. I'm looking at things that are a lot smaller, so I'm not looking at a seven figure investment. Oh goodness, mm -hmm. no! I wanted to do something much smaller, and so I said, okay, if I think about the capital at risk, if I buy something that's pretty small and it goes down nothing, it's not the end of it. Doesn't end my sure. world. Yeah. So I look at where do I think there's some fundamentals? Is there any traction? Is there a repeatable process for finding customers? Like this one you talked about, is there inbound? Like, do mm -hmm. people come to you? If you've cracked inbound, they've gotten some traction. If people are starting to come to you where you don't have to constantly all sales, all sales, all sales, because that's a tough model. Mm -hmm. So what I looked at is, could I find some of these small businesses that had gotten to enough traction that they were generating inbound interest from prospective customers? Mm -hmm. And that was one of my criteria for looking mm -hmm. for these deals. Mm -hmm. And so in both cases, I found things that were already generating inbound interest. Okay, good. So Amber, do you have a benchmark for the period of time you're prepared to wait to get a return to either get your investment back or to get a given rate of return on your investment? Or does it, de again, depend on the business? Um, it really depends on the business. Okay. So I've bought these these small ones that I'm planning on holding and growing for a while. So I'm patient right now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm taking my time. I'm learning too about, well, how long do you give some of these other business strategies you try before you're like, nah, next one to try to grow it. And that's a whole learning cycle sure. for me where I thought, well, if I can get good at identifying some of these smaller ones when they're earlier and keep working on growing them, I, I can be patient. So I don't have a certain number of years. I'm not trying to take, grow and flip these businesses. I'm trying to build out a portfolio of small companies. Okay. So that's a little different than someone who might be trying to grow it to flip it. That's an mm -hmm. entirely sure. different thing. Sure, sure. But again, you, you don't want to sink money in something that's not going to give you a return at some point for right. the next number of years or, or whatever. So while while I've got you then, what about financing for because many entrepreneurs go into business because they have no money to buy a business. So they start on their credit card or whatever, mm -hmm. or parents' mm -hmm. loans and this sort of thing. So a lot of people who would like to buy a business are limited in their funds. So, so what mm -hmm. options are available for them? Yep. And one of the reasons I was buying smaller businesses is I didn't want to have to get up to my eyeballs in debt mm -hmm. as part of it. That was actually one of the reasons for looking for these smaller ones that have gotten to a certain level of traction. Um, so the the key, and this is partially why it might take you a little longer to find a deal, depending on the kind of deal, you might be able to get seller financing. Yeah. That might be a possibility. So when I was buying a business, I didn't want to have to go get a small business administration or some gigantic loan. And that's what you see a lot of people talk about where mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you sign a personal guarantee and basically you put your life on the line. I'm like, that's pretty terrifying to me. It's like, I don't want to do it like that. And so um, I actually 
I had saved up the money to buy it myself. And that's actually part of why the timing might take you 12 to 18 months. So Mm -hmm. you're saving up a little cash so that you've at least got a down payment on it. So that's one of the things you can do by giving yourself a nice broad window of saying, well, I think I want to do it in so much time period. That lets you start to get your financial house and everything else in order to make it a little easier when the time comes to pull the trigger on a deal. Sure. But I think it's also important. And and again, going back from my own background, many business sellers are selling not because they need the cash immediately, but because the business has got too much to run on a day-to-day basis. And if they can find the right buyer, that they could be more than happy to take payment over 10 years, for instance, um, right. because they don't want to have to go into the run that business every day and prepare to be almost a sleeping partner. So there, there are mm-hmm. certainly those options available if you find the right one. Yep. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, again, while I've got you, sorry, Kathleen, but while I think about it, do, do you, what are you doing now? Are you advising and helping other people go down this road that you've already started on? I'd say sort of. I mean, that's why I'm writing this Nano PE. Mm-hmm. And, and I just set it up as a, a Patreon site for subscribers that want to sure. hear about it and learn about it. And and that's where people that kind of jump on the bandwagon want to ask me questions. It's usually the Nano PE subscribers on okay. there because they're also doing that. And so do I do it as a sort of formal consulting The only thing I've done formally consulting, again, putting my software hat on, is I've actually helped people transition into those acquisitions, figure out the onboarding, because I'm also a project manager by trade. So I I do actually have consulting services that do that too. Um, It's it's just they're more on a one-off basis. I'm not trying to sell consulting services for that. I just happen to be able to do that kind of thing as well, because I've done it myself and done it for others as well. But if any of our audience are interested down the track in contacting you, you'd be open to talking to them. That's, that's... Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's, absolutely. that's good. Well, before I ask you my burning question, let's go back to Kathleen. I think Kathleen's got a couple more things she wants to find out. What has – so you have uh, subscribers. And what has surprised, surprised you the most along the way in doing all of this? I think the – variety of different types of deals some of my subscribers are doing I I think is really interesting when I've had people reach out to me that subscribe it's all over the place and when people are looking at things and first kind of getting into this and I talked about you have to kiss a lot of frogs Mm. there's a lot of interesting things out there (laughs) and with and someone will say someone's saying this and this and this and I say well maybe ask this and this because something's not right there, you know, and I think it's it's really interesting because it's all humans involved in that process, right? And so the variety of situations that people run into are really fascinating to me. But the other thing I think that has surprised me the most is, you know, the more you're in something, the more you learn about it. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Peter, about people wanting to exit their businesses, there's something that's being talked about, you'll hear it mentioned once in a while, it's called the silver tsunami. Mm -hmm. They talk about baby boomers that want to sell their businesses, but there's no one to buy them. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot of them. And people, a lot of people don't realize it as well. And so they think, oh, well, will there be anything I'd want to buy? You might be amazed what's for sale. 
And in a lot of cases, particularly, and some of these in that are included in the silver tsunami might be a little larger in size, but some of these financing things like seller financing and other things may very well still apply because there's tax advantages for the seller of doing sure, it that way. Sure. So you don't always have to say, oh, it's going to have to be a completely traditional financing situation. So therefore, I'm completely limited. Not necessarily true. You might just have to explore a little longer because there are a lot of these businesses for sale and their kids don't want them. Right. They're like, I don't, I don't exactly. want Exactly. Exactly. So now what do you do? Yep. You, you would like yep. to retire. Yeah. But you have this business, in a lot of cases, profitable businesses, and there's no way to get out of them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now you help to, con- or you do some consulting, but mm-hmm. do you work with people from all over the world? Um, I have traditionally in my software consulting world, yes. On the acquisitions space, not as much because I'm just newer to that space. And as you get into laws and other things and other cultures, probably a little less comfortable with that. But I'd say probably more US and Canada in all likelihood. Um, Although due diligence is kind of due diligence and sanity questions that you're going to want to ask. But as you get into various laws or legal or accounting structures internationally, that part I wouldn't consider myself an expert in at all. Right. Back to you. Uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> there are I, I as you can hear from my accent, I haven't lived in Canada all my life. I lived in Africa for most of my life in different countries and some of the laws and conventions and red tape levels of red tape are very different to North America, let me tell you. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So here's here's my <clears throat> excuse me my burning question for you Amber you've <clears throat> you've done a lot of work in looking at many businesses you in business for yourself and you've had consulting clients <clears throat> so in your experience is there one habit or mindset or characteristic that differentiates successful people and business leaders from those that remain average and I don't just mean making a lot of money I mean success in a broader sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yes. The one I would pick, the characteristic I would pick is grit. Uh You have to be sometimes a stubborn little bugger. (laughs) You have to be willing to, uh, you know, take your take your hits and and keep going and persevere through having to try a lot of different things. Doesn't mean you don't ever give up on things, but do you give up at the very first sign of trouble? Right. Oh, you know, you have to be able to keep picking yourself back up. And some of that probably comes from being raised on a farm because I, I grew up on a farm. I don't know. But All right. as it's prob- probably where it comes from. Those good old Midwestern roots on a farm. Um, but <laughs> yes, I would, I would. Prefer. Well, th- that's a Not great good one. Question. You know, Amber, whenever we ask this question, this is a, it's a Peter's favorite question that he likes to ask all guests. Well, you never get the answer of, um, uh, education right we never we never get that as a as an answer to that particular question it's interesting. well formal formal education formal nobody education. nobody says go and get an mba or another degree many right. people say constant learning on your or <clears throat> doing it yourself and constant curiosity improvement that's grit it. perseverance comes up a lot that's that's a big mm-hmm. one yeah and i agree i agree i also grew up on a farm so i agree with the farm analogy analogy and uh I also did the trick of uh, risking everything on business, and uh, for various reasons, it failed. So I know, I know the hard side of that too. Yep, yep. 
And Very sometimes it's, you know, to your, to your point, Peter, too, sometimes it's factors outside of your control. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I had my startup, I was just starting when, before I shut this startup down, I was just starting to figure out which market to focus on. How was I going to grow it? And the pandemic hit and, there you go. and work from home. And it all of a sudden became the least priority for mm-hmm. people. And that, and you wait it out as long as you can and you do the best you can, but you can't always make it work, so to speak, due to factors that, well, you didn't cause. So I, yeah. I get that too. That also informed the taking smaller bets with sure. things like buying the companies and other things as well. Yeah, yeah. No, very good. Well, that's that's great. Thank you very much, Amber. That's very mm-hmm. interesting. And I'm glad that we got you on because I originally thought we were going to talk about software. And then when you came back to Kathleen and said buying businesses, we thought, aha, this could be interesting for a lot of our audience. So mm-hmm. um, there we go. While I've got the floor, let me a quick message for our audience. We've had yet another interesting guest for you. We bring lots of interesting guests for you. And to make sure you don't miss on our future guests, uh, hop onto our website, theyackingshow.com. And you'll find a form to sign up for our newsletter, one email a week. And we tell you who's coming on next week, who's been on this week, and who's coming on down the track. Thank you. Back to Kathleen. So, Amber, please tell us how people can contact you. Mm-hmm. The best way to find me is LinkedIn. There's okay. Amber Christian on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. And you probably even noticed reaching out to me because I get a lot of emails. <laughs> so it's by far the best, LinkedIn. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show today, Amber. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for tuning into our show. We so appreciated having you. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please go to theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form and we would love to hear from you. And please, if there's a topic that is of interest to you, let us know because we have access to so many experts on this show. Uh, We'd love to hear from you once again. So until next time, that's it from us. Take care and we'll see you again. Bye-bye.